What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we dive into Halloweenathon part three. Oh, yeah. I cannot believe we made it this far. <laughs> I'm going to say that right We're now. We're doing it. We are deep, deep into Haddonfield at this point. We are deep in there. We we are the we're Michael Myers' neighbors at this point. <laughs> I mean, we are deep, deep in it. We're reaching the end of the road. We're reaching the end of Haddonfield. Mm -hmm. We're about to be able to finally fucking move out of this town. <laughs> We're just not quite there yet. Mm -mm. No, we got some divisive films to talk about this yeah. week. Um, I'm very excited for this conversation, not going to lie. Oh, I'm very excited. Um, at the time that we are recording this episode, obviously we're only talking about nine through 12 in this one, but at this point in time, both of us have finished. Like we finished all 13. Yeah. We've, we've, we've rounded it out. We did it. Um, I am, look, if you looked into my eyes right now, they are as dead as Michael's. Hey, there's no <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> there's nothing going on in this head. Nothing going on in this head besides halloween and michael myers <laughs> and laurie strode and haddonfield yeah that that is literally every thought i think i've had for the past what two and a half weeks now is just what's going on with these people in this fictional town um but i've loved it i've loved the journey uh yeah for those who may be jumping in a little bit late erica has seen most of these movies before i have not so this was my first like full venture into the franchise. And it is uh it's kind of crazy to say that I'm done. I've I've seen them all. Right. Like that's that's a crazy place to be for anybody who's ever marathon stuff. Once you hit that finish line, I don't know, like life feels a little bit different. I feel changed. That's something You're a new person. I'm a new person. Uh, but I definitely have some thoughts and some feelings that are just itching to get out. The ones that we're gonna be covering from here on out. I think are the ones where people have really big opinion, yeah, opinion discrepancies on. Um, so I'm kind of curious where you stand on some of these movies, and then just kind of curious to see where this conversation goes. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've been waiting. I've been stewing on my thoughts for these ones. So without further ado. Let us just go ahead and jump in, because as you all already know, we're going to be talking, talking, talking. So let's go ahead and get into our very first Halloween, which is also a deviation once again. Are you surprised? We're back <laughs> at a completely different, not only like timeline, but um, direction, characterizations. We are totally on a different path. We are veering off into um, a little place I like to call Rob Zombie Land, where he <laughs> directed <laughs> Halloween 2007, but just titled Halloween. All right, homies, we are entering into spoiler territory. So you have been warned, but we're starting off today 
talking about Halloween from 2007, directed and written by Rob Zombie, starring Scout Taylor Compton as Laurie Strode, Malcolm McDowell as Dr. Loomis, Sherry Moon Zombie as Deborah Myers, I hope I'm saying this correctly, but Dag Ferch as Young Michael, and Tyler Maine as Michael Myers. Ten-year-old Michael Myers is a troubled young man with a less than ideal home life. After being pushed to a psychotic break, Michael murders a school bully, his sister Judith, along with her mother's boyfriend Ronnie. He is charged with first-degree murder and sent to Smith's Grove Sanitarium under the care of Dr. Loomis. For the first year, Michael is confused, not remembering the events of that day. But after killing a nurse and his mother's suicide, Michael shuts himself off from the world, hiding behind his masks. Fifteen years later, Michael escapes from Smith's Grove and heads back to his home in Haddonfield. While there, he spots his younger sister, now Lori Strode, preparing for Halloween with her friends Annie and Linda. After killing Linda and nearly killing Annie, Michael kidnaps Lori and takes her back to his home. Lori manages to escape and teams up with Loomis to take down Michael. After subduing Loomis, Michael sets his eyes on Lori, their final confrontation ending with both falling from a second-story balcony. Lori then shoots the unconscious Michael, ending his reign of terror. Roll credits. Okay, so like I said, we are in a totally different universe. This one now, so this Halloween would be considered a remake, whereas a little bit later on this episode, we'll be getting into a reboot situation. Right. But Rob Zombie's Halloween is considered a remake of the original Halloween. Mm -hmm. um, now, obviously, because it's Rob Zombie, He's, you know, put his thing down, flipped it and reversed it, thrown in his whatevers and did his thing. But for the most part, it's the same story, same characters um, and same plot, basically, as we find in the original. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's definitely got that Rob Zombie twist to it. Um, we've gone full multiverse with this one for real, for real, because <laughs> this... This version of Haddonfield sucks, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm I'm gonna say this because there are there are some things that I do like about the Rob Zombie iterations. Honestly, both of them, but I also have like a lot of cons with them. One thing that I appreciate about this version of Halloween is Rob Zombie clearly had a plan or an idea or a vibe that he was going for and damn it this movie captures it and it and it mm -hmm. sticks with it for the entire time uh because this version of michael's origin story it makes sense like i i can't really deny the fact that this upbringing in this situation would raise a michael myers like right style killer but it's just such a deviation from what we got in the original that i was taken aback it's a lot. So here's the thing. First of first 
let's touch on Rob Zombie because we haven't really talked about any Rob Zombie movies True. as of as of yet. And so this will be our first covering the Halloweens. And for me, Rob Zombie and Eli Roth, I hold kind of in the same mindset of when you watch their movies, you know it's their movies. Mm -hmm. They have such a very specific way of like their universe that they create. It's such a specific place. It's the way people talk, the way people act, the way that the violence and the gore is. It's just so particular to them as directors and as screenwriters. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard. It can be hard because that universe that they create, you can't just plop that universe down on any old story and no. it's and be say, oh, it's going to fit because it's just not. It's just simply will not. It's the same way that it's like I wouldn't expect, you know, some I, I wouldn't expect Wes Anderson to be able to make a Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> and be like, yeah, that works. It's just the way that they are as, I mean, as directors. Now that you say that, though, a Wes Anderson Nightmare on Elm Street, I'd cool. watch it. <laughs> It'd be cool. I would like that. But you would watch it and you'd say, oh, Wes, I see you all up and over this when you have Freddie jump out in a Paisley sweater. <laughs> And you're like, oh, man. <laughs> um, but so Rob Zombie is definitely, this is his Haddonfield. This mm -hmm. is his Halloween. And surprisingly, I don't dislike it. Yeah. I, I actually feel like weirdly for me, I know this is not the case for everybody, but weirdly for me, I feel like he is, the things that he can bring to the table at times works very well for Michael as a villain. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, like I I think like his his way of writing dialogue works for the Myers family. Because you're right, we're really kind of seeing the beginning of Michael. And I think in this one it really leans towards Michael is a product of not only inwardly some issues right. but some external issues that are then both coming together to create michael myers right and so even though this family is way over the top and really does feel like like a rob zombie family i think that it works for his story where he loses me is i don't his writing for um teenage girls is preposterous. Mm -hmm. Agreed. It's ridiculous. And now that's not to say that I don't like the characterization of Annie, Lori, and who that girl? <laughs> Linda. Linda. <laughs> now that's not to say that I don't like the characterization of Lori, Annie, and and Linda because I think particularly the acting of it, I like obviously like daniel harris is back she's back baby and mm -hmm. i like her as annie but i kind of like her as everybody so like easy peasy you got me in there but i do like this version of annie i personally like this version of Lori. um she's very different from jamie lee curtis Lori, which yeah. i think was smart but I yeah i think that's an important aspect to remember here is like 
if you're gonna replace Lori, the the quintessential part of Halloween, I think you do have to go above and beyond to make her different. And mm. this Lori feels vastly different than Jamie Lee Curtis's. Yeah. This Lori to me feels like a she doesn't lean so heavily into the I'm a final girl. Like I I fit all the notches. Not to say that I dislike that about Lori, but it was just classic of the time to have that kind of a very nice girl, very shy, reserved, smart, responsible. That is what Lori is to me mm-hmm. in the 78. And so I kind of like seeing this Lori who very fits in very well with this group of friends, but is still has aspects of that. They just feel a little bit more grounded to me as a person, like a multifaceted person, I guess I should say. She has, I feel like she has a little bit more to her in this one. Um, But what I will say is I hate listening to these girls talk to each other because Mm. it just sounds ridiculous. It just, it does, it just feels like, um, I just superimpose Rob Zombie's face on all of their faces <laughs> saying this dialogue because it's so clearly what he like envisions them saying and not what I want to hear them talk about. Right. <laughs> like and and the and the original one, like, yeah, they were sh- kind of like horny and they kind of fucked around, but like that wasn't all they were. And it feels like in this one, all they can talk about is being horny. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Like the honestly, for both films, I really had to kind of tune out the writing, which is hard. But it's just the writing style is very particular, and for crafting the universe that we're going to be living in for these movies, I do think it works in a way. But I just like it's not my cup of tea, so it was really distracting mm-hmm. if, if I focused too much on it. Um, so I I looked for other things to grasp onto to try and like follow along with the story um and one of the things for me was honestly the atmosphere and then Haddonfield as a whole um mentioned it before like this version of Haddonfield sucks and I think that that was an interesting idea that has been presented in past Halloweens that really start like that idea started to pick up steam for me while watching the Rob Zombie ones is this idea that Haddonfield plays a part and a big role in this whole Michael Myers, Laurie Strode story as well, um, because it's not a perfect town. And although it's like the the every town is kind of how it's presented with like Laurie Strode's being like the every girl or what have you, whatnot, mm-hmm. it still has flaws. Like the adults that live in this town are not the greatest. Like we've seen time and time and again, the police force doesn't have it all together. Um, There are just different little things with the characters that I think when you put a magnifying glass on them, it really stands out that some of the people in this town are really messed up. Like some of the younger kids are awful, like especially Mm -hmm. the ones that are like bullying uh, Michael while he's in his adolescence too. Like, you can tell like there are some big flaws in this town that are not not um absent in you know everyday life but i think in this world they're so magnified to being so awful that it really yeah. lends into what i think is one of the cores of the michael myers story and that it's about a serial killer right and like this one feels so far the most like a serial killer 
origin story for me yeah. than any of the other ones that we've watched. Yeah, I agree. And in this one, this feels the most like Michael is a guy. Mm-hmm. Like in the other ones, I definitely feel like Michael always feels like just evil, just pure evil that is has reached beyond um, like the normal realm of being a human being but he never feels like that to me in this one um he he still feels like a regular person who's just really fucking strong and really big and and is led by this rage mm-hmm. and the biggest deviation in this one from the original story is obviously the first like because this movie is two hours long yeah it's 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 absolutely too long that's it's like my biggest long. con is both of the rob zombies are just way way too long as this series goes on one of my favorite things about some of the earlier entries in the halloween series is they are all a cute and and spicy hour and a half mm-hmm. they clock in at, um, and i'm like that's exactly the amount of time that this story needs and then somewhere along the way we start to clock in at like 145 150 <laughs> Halloween ends is two hours, (laughs) two hours and two minutes or something like that. This stories to me have no need to be longer than I'll give you an hour and 40 if you're trying to add in cult and shit like the season (laughs) of the witch stuff. Yeah, whatever. I'll give you an hour 40. But when you start to go above that, I just don't think it's necessary at all. Mm -hmm. But part of the reason that this one is long is because they add in michael's beginnings yeah <laughs> the origin of of michael and his home life which and... may have been honestly my favorite part of this mm. entire movie is the first half and this rendition of how michael became michael i really liked it for what it was um i thought that the transition from just troubled kid to the moment when michael snaps is done very well and i like that the moment that he snaps he has snapped and it continues on from there um i think that the pacing for that is good it's just that in itself took like what almost an hour if not that that was probably like 20 25 minutes was that beginning bit okay um because if you think about it without that we would be at an hour and a half if we just had the regular story Mm mm-hmm We'd be at an hour and a half if they just followed everything else. But we tacked on like a 20 to 25 minute um, or origin of evil story. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so they've upped Michael's age um, because obviously in the original he was six. I think in this one he's he like is 10 or 11. I think. Ten, yeah. Yeah. He's 10. He's 10 in this one. I actually I'm always that's such a weird I always have such a weird feeling when this movie starts and I re-see this because I don't think it was a bad decision to do that, especially if you want to make something different than the original Halloweens. I don't think it's bad to see Michael's beginnings. I always just thought I wouldn't have minded it if it started with him, if it started right after he killed everybody and it started with him in the psychiatric hospital talking to Loomis Loomis. and cut the beginning and then we almost found out through kind of what's going on with with that we almost kind of found out how bad his home life was and all of that stuff rather than seeing it mm. um and also one thing that i will say that i really think was a dumb decision is having him 
have the mask when he's a child. Mm-hmm. Watching a child put on Michael Myers's <laughs> mask is ridiculous. I mean, Agreed. it just I don't because I think that that is important regardless of if he has an origin whatever. I think what's important about him is that he doesn't become that version of himself until he's older. Mm. I I don't think that that should be who he is as a child, especially if you're going to show a transformation with him. Like if he's still going to hold on to some of his childhood for a little bit longer, even after that, why would you give him that mask already? Right. Now, I agree with you. I I think that that was a misstep. And I this may be this may be a hot take, but I kind of think that I would have loved to have seen this as one one of the movies being his origin story. And then if you're going to go ahead and do your version of the original Halloween's Haddonfield Halloween night, I would have preferred to have had that been the sequel than to put them both in the same movie. I think that for me is what made this one so long is because Mm -hmm. we had to go through all that origin story and then still had to go through and do Rob Zombie's remake of what happened on that particular night which is interesting i i'm not gonna say i dislike what he did with like what happens to laurie's care laurie and her friends and all that stuff like i don't dislike it i do think it's somewhat compelling but both of them both of these things in the same movie really made the runtime stretch for me like that Mm -hmm. was the hardest part about this is like once we finally got into the, oh, we're actually doing Halloween right now, I was so exhausted from the movie. <laughs> I was like, You're bro, like, I've watched so much of this movie and we're just starting it. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. Because by the time you get to Halloween, because then you realize you say, oh, damn, we're about to go through the whole story. Mm-hmm. Once you meet Lori. <laughs> Is it? Oh, it's a whole other movie. Because this is the first. This is the first one that's like gone back and tried to remake the original. Like everything else right. that we've watched up until now has taken the original or some of the originals and used information from that to inform what's happening in the plot. This is the first one that's like, no, 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 no. This is how it happened that night, and mm. I think that's a bold move. And I don't think Rob Zombie did necessarily a terrible job with that, but. The original movie was an hour and a half long. (laughs) Like, that's a lot of information to get in there to also tack in the the origin story as well. Um, The hard thing is, like, even though cutting the origin story in the beginning is probably the the most logical way to, like, cut the runtime. Part of me is just like that origin story is very paramount to kind of establishing what version of Michael Myers we're getting here because it is a different version. And mm-hmm. I do feel like without that, you don't necessarily get this Rob Zombie version of him. Right. Yeah, that's fair. I still think I'm just I I know. I know if I put that storyboard in front of me mm-hmm. that there's smooth some of that stuff we could have cut from the beginning. Oh, for sure. I just for sure. I I feel it in my bones because I, I like I think especially when you get to later on, I feel like later on we kind of get reiterated some things. Mm, fair. And so that's that's where I start to think, oh my gosh, how many times do they have to say that she that his mother killed herself? We mm, hear mm-hmm. that multiple times throughout this movie. 
and after a while you're you think didn't i see it <laughs> but yeah you're like didn't i see that didn't i watch this earlier yeah um and i and then even still i will say too the ending is fairly different as well because we get much more of a confrontation with Lori and michael mm -hmm. the whole ending is completely different because Laurie is taken off to a completely different location and they have a back and forth, which I like. I kind of like how much Laurie gets juked and and knucked and bucked in this movie. Yeah. I, I think that it's interesting to see a version of this where where Laurie is really, really going through it. Not to say that she wasn't in the original, but as far as injuries go, she kind of was managed to get out fairly mildly harmed in mm -hmm. comparison to what we get here which of course i mean it's rob zombie so he's upping the gore and the intensity obviously but i like i like this version of michael i like how quick he is he actually even though he's walking in this one this is the first time that i ever thought man that boy is quick there's a <laughs> shot of him walking behind Lori when she first after she finds annie and is like running, running back to the house mm -hmm. and he's walking behind her and the the length of the strides, it's it's crazy. I I just thought, man, he's really he's like <laughs> right on her heels, um, and yeah, I don't know. He just feels really imposing. He's very violent, which I know some people don't like how violent he is in this. But to me, I don't feel like he's any more violent than he's been in the past. I think it's just we're able to see the extent of his brutality in this one as compared to in the past where he would maybe it would cut away from some of the things that he was doing. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing in that regard for me is just the emotion. Like when he kills in the Rob Zombie universe, you feel it because there is some emotion. Like when he stabs, like you hear the grunting, like you hear yeah. the, the rage and like you hear everything that's going on behind the surface. I think with our regular Michael Myers, the emotionlessness is what we're used to where he'll mm -hmm. do these hyper violent things, but he'll feel absolutely nothing. Like you'll get nothing yeah. out of him. This version of Michael, you get stuff out of him when he, when he kills. And I think that that is a, it's a small shift, I think on paper, but then in practice, when you see it, you can really feel the difference in just character motivation. I feel. That's fair, yeah. And and I will say with the original Michael, I feel like when he kills, it always feels really easy because mm -hmm. he's so quiet. It feels like he's not putting like breaking a sweat when he kills, which I like, obviously. It's it's scary because you think, wow, he can he's so strong. And that's not to say that he doesn't feel that strong in this one, but I think because you can hear him putting effort in, it almost feels like he has to do more to make sure people are dead because he'll be bashing people's heads for so long. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the original, I feel like maybe one good, one, two, maybe three good bashes. He's got him. Yeah. He's, he they they dead. They big dead. But then in this one, it feels like he really has to like put some effort in because, like I said, he just feels more human in this one um, than I'm used to yeah. the shape feeling. And the violence is definitely uh, amped up in this because it is Rob Zombie, and I think that's something that a lot of people do attribute to Rob is his use of gore and violence at times, mm -hmm. um, and. I think that for this more um, serial killer human version of Michael, it does work. Um, there are moments of violence where even I was kind of getting disturbed. Um, 
it was mostly for me the tree branch scene when he was a kid that one messed me up like i after a while i was like can this stop yeah and then it's like judy from spy kids yeah i was like eh, <laughs> getting <much."> bashed <laughs> You're like, no. no. <laughs> but yeah, that one's particular. And then also I always feel like the one with Lori's parents. I always really love that scene. I don't mm -hmm. know why. I've always really liked that scene a lot. But I think it's because I like that. I do like in this one that he's very, very, very adamantly after Lori. Because also that's another thing. We go back to this idea of Lori being related to Michael. Yeah. Being his sister and in this one he's really holding on to that idea of like being a family with her mm -hmm. and so i do like that everything is so tied to laurie in this one in a similar way to the original but at the same time a different way because we know in this one he's like specifically gone to haddonfield looking for her whereas in the first one it's more of a chance encounter right um but i i don't know i like i like that scene i always thought that was great and also we have some heavy hitters in this movie um the voice of chucky himself mm -hmm. as um sheriff bracket which i like you know i always like seeing brad Dourif and stuff and i i enjoy him in this series and also Danny Trejo. I don't know if that yeah. took you by surprise, but I often forget that he's in this movie for like two seconds. <laughs> it did catch me off guard. And as one of the few celebrities I have met, wonderful man and seeing him in anything oh, yeah. always makes me smile. I uh, do love me some <laughs> Danny Trejo. I forgot that you met him. Um, and then, yeah. And then Malcolm McDowell, like you said, is as Loomis. Once again, doing, I think, a, a good job of differentiating himself. But, like, I still recognize him as Loomis. Right. I was going to ask you about your opinions on this version of Loomis because it, it does veer away from the Loomis that I think we're all accustomed to at this point. Um, I personally, I like him in places, not across the board. As a whole. Mm -hmm. I, I think. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that was really it. Um, this Loomis for me isn't bad. I like that he's a little bit more cocky and he seems like not as manic he's not it, it's it to me in this one he feels like he has more of an emotional connection with michael mm. that he's like really invested in than our original loomis who's like nah this boy's gotta go <laughs> whereas in this one i feel like he's really holding on to this idea that maybe there is something left of michael mm -hmm. um which i enjoy i just think he's a little bit um he's a little bit up and down in in the regards of at times i don't always know his motivation i get a little bit money about it at times and i think i it feels as though he starts to lean maybe a little bit a certain way and then i feel like all of a sudden he's back to like sometimes he's the emotional being led by his emotion sometimes he's being led by his fear and i just i feel like he kind of goes back and forth and so i can't quite put a pin in him mm -hmm. in this one as much as i can in the second one right. and so that's like my only thing with him is he's just a little wishy-washy for me at times that's... also the beginning of him with that hair is uh <laughs> what are we doing why why is this like i just got back from europe i had a great vacation lewis it's it's weird <laughs> well they did this like thing of like he transforms into the loomis <laughs> yeah. that we're used to over time which i'll be honest i i kind of liked like <laughs> watching him slowly become loomis loomis was like you know this is kind of fun uh, yeah. i'm enjoying this and i have 
I'm not fully sure how I feel about it um, because or I'm not sure how I fully feel about this point because one of the things about this remake is Rob Zombie still pulls a lot from the original and I don't know if it if that worked more for me or if I would have preferred that he just go completely down his own route with things. Mm. Because I do think when you are pulling so much from the original but doing your own thing, it it forces people to then make the comparisons between the two. And mm. I would love to just get to watch this one in a vacuum, but there I think there's just too many callbacks to the OG for me to accurately do that. Um mm. However, I will say that the Joe Grizzly scene may be one of my favorite scenes from any of the Halloweens, period. Um, Is that when they're in the ba- the bath when he's in the bathroom? When he's in the bathroom and he's like, do you know who I am? <laughs> oh, um, my God. Joe Grizzly, bitch. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a that is also a good scene. It's a fun scene. It's, it's, it's a fun scene. It's a fun uh, scene. I also will say this is random, but Loomis has one of the funniest lines in this. And to me, it's after he saves Lori and they do that whole like, was that the boogeyman? Mm-hmm. And then and then Michael, <laughs> when Michael breaks through the glass and grabs Lori, Loomis goes, Jesus Christ, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> he delivers it is so it's good like he's doing it i don't want this to seem like i don't think malcolm mcdowell is doing a good job he is but the line in itself is just like a kind of a hard thing i feel like to say because it's like such a long line in reaction to what like Lori's being pulled out of a window and he's just jesus christ what the hell like in the, in the other seat and i was dying after he said that <laughs> As a matter of fact, I do believe it was. It's an appropriate reaction, but just something about it in that specific spot really mm-hmm. tickled me. Because I, because again, going back to like pulling from the original, right? Like we're used to when you hear that line. It's over. Like, we're yeah. done with the movie. 
But Rob Zombie was like, nope, gotcha, bitch. <laughs> yeah, there's still 10 minutes left. And you're like, oh, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, but but yeah, that's uh that's the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean basically leads we can kind of continue this conversation because it basically leads into the second one. Yeah. It's fairly a straight continuation. Yeah, like most of the others other entries we've covered up until this point, we start in the first one and then immediately pick up with uh Rob Zombie's Halloween two in two thousand nine, starring once again Scout Taylor Compton as Laurie Strode, Malcolm McDowell as Dr. Loomis, Sherry Moon Zombie as Deborah Myers, and Tyler Maine as Michael Myers. During his time at Smith's Grove, Michael has been having visions. In these visions, he sees his late mother a white horse, and a younger version of himself. These visions instruct him to reunite with his sister Lori, and when a freak accident wrecks the ambulance transporting his body, Michael awakens and begins his journey back to Haddonfield. Back in town, a traumatized Lori now lives with Sheriff Brackett and her friend Annie. Elsewhere, Loomis, who survived the encounter, uses the tragedy to promote his new book, but the public disapproves of his profiteering ways. It's through this book that Lori finds out that she is Michael's sister. Shocked by the revelation, Lori attends a Halloween party to try and escape from her problems. However, Michael, now back in Haddonfield, once again finds Lori, killing her friends and taking her to an old abandoned shed. The police and Loomis find the shed and surround it. Loomis enters, attempting to reason with Michael, but is quickly killed. Michael is then shot by the police and stabbed to death by Lori, who is also now sharing his visions. In the end, Lori is taken to a psychiatric ward where she is once again approached by a vision of her mother and the white horse. Roll credits. Um, also featuring Octavia Spencer playing My Nurse Octavia. <laughs> first note for this entire movie is how the hell did they get Octavia Spencer for this? But they get some like they're like I said, Rob, I mean, Rob Zombie, obviously, he always has actors that he kind of like reuses very similarly to like Tim Burton. They kind of have these actors that you can tell they're probably have a very good friendly relationship with mm -hmm. that they'll like have in their movies. But then also I feel like I, I mean, he I don't know. He just gets some heavy hitters sometimes. And so I guess <laughs> Octavia just kind of fell into that. It's a small role, so maybe she was like, yeah, I'll do it. Like, <laughs> why not? I don't know. She's like, oh, this death seems, seems kind of nice. Sure, I'll do it. Uh, and her death is pretty brutal, too. Yeah. That's another instance of, like, that uh, emotion-filled Michael uh, killing somebody because there's a mm -hmm. lot of rage while he is offing Octavia Spencer, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, we... So, so this one takes place seemingly right after what happened in the first one, but then we find out that it's actually a year after what happened in the first one, mm -hmm. and 
that the hospital, this whole hospital sequence that we get in the beginning is like a nightmare that Lori is having. It's all which just a dream. I kid, normally I'm not a huge fan of, it was, yeah, it was just a dream. But I don't know, it weirdly works for me in this one. I think because everything that I would normally pick at and be like, why is this like, why is this the way that it is? Mm -hmm. Because it was a dream, it is I'm like, okay, well, now I don't need to pick at that. I understand why. I'm glad Octavia Spencer did not die in such a horrible way. And also, <laughs> too, it works for the story that they're trying to tell with Lori in this movie. Like, I, I think what they're trying to do with her character lets me kind of forgive some of these nightmare sequences because I think in the grand scheme of things, it works as a whole. <sighs> I, I'm I'm on the fence on it, be, just because of <laughs> well, just because of I typically never really like when it's the it was all just a dream sequence, just because it felt it felt like a waste of runtime. Um, despite the stuff being good, like again for another movie that is way too long and has no business being this long, we have this whole beginning section in the hospital, which at first feels like this nice homage to, again, the second movie where it's like, okay, the second movie took place in the hospital. Here we are also in a hospital, but we're in Rob Zombie's version of the hospital. But it's like, actually, no, we're not. None of that actually mm -hmm. matters in the grand scheme of things. And for me... For something with this kind of runtime, I was like, we we could have cut all of that. You could have just had me meet Dreadlock Lori <laughs> and we'd be we'd be all set. Right. Oh yeah. We got Dreadlock Lori stepping on the scene. She <laughs> that's one thing that I always remember about this movie is that she has like dreadlocks in certain areas of her <laughs> hair, which I get it. She's depressed. She's not taking care of herself, but I think it's just because to me, it looks like so obviously styled dreadlocks. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, they just tried to put them in her hair. That's what bothers me about them. <laughs> I'm like, it would have just been better if you just had her hair matted. Because they, like, rolled them up. They almost, they're, like, borderline Susie, like, Susie Q curls. Because they're, like, really tight. They, they straddle the line between a super tight pin curl and then a dreadlock. And it really irks me every time I see them. <laughs> But um, that <laughs> that is not important. What is important is the second. So this movie, I would say between the two, the first one, Rob Zombie's first one and this one is probably the one that is is the least liked more dislike, I would say, for for this iteration of the story. Um, I don't know. I I might sound ridiculous, but I kind of like this one. Oh, no, no. We're on opposite sides <laughs> this time. I hate to sound ridiculous. Yeah, no, I, I hate to sound ridiculous, but I kind of like this one. I can't back the homie on this one. Nah, dude. This one, <laughs> this, one pulled, this one pulled the Halloween on me again, where we got another, like, interesting enough reboot, revamp, remake, whatever. And then immediately on the second one, they pull a resurrection. And they're like, nah, here's something else. I'm like, no, <laughs> go back to what I was enjoying in the first one. Come on. Yeah. Now, hear me out. There are okay. a lot of things about this one that I think shouldn't have been. <laughs> I think should have easily been omitted, um, particularly... Uh, it's weird because I don't like the white horse 
situation. Mm-hmm. I don't like the I don't like ghost Deborah visiting in her dreams or or whoever's dreams. But weirdly enough, the reason that I don't like it is because I just feel like I actually okay, this is going to sound weird cuz I like it, but I don't like it because I like what they were trying to do with it. I don't think it's a bad idea because I think that it, especially when it's used for Lori, and I think it's, a, I, I like the idea of having something that's kind of like pulling Michael forward and like leading him through what he's doing. But I think it's dumb because it kind of reminds me of the Jamie Michael like connection that they did in five which i thought was really ridiculous it feels like they're doing something similar in this one where um where it's tying him and Lori together and i don't like that i think that that's dumb i think it should have been one or the other who could see it not both of them and also too i just feel like after everything we had in the first one it to just bring Deborah back. Why is she here? Michael didn't care about her in the last one. At all. My man, my man said, who? I I have a mom. I don't remember her. And now she's back talking to him. And it feels like Rob Zombie was just like, don't worry, Sherry. I'm going to get you in this movie. Here, you're uh, you're uh, uh, like a vision. Why? Why is she in this? I just don't think she needed to be in this movie. <laughs> no, not at all, dude. And like, there are several reasons I didn't like it. Um, I think the most glaring one for me is it pulled too much, in my opinion, from the Friday the Thirteenth franchise and this whole like the mom is leading this unstoppable force. Uh, since as we go through all these Halloweens, every time the question is still being asked. How does Michael do the things that he does? What is driving Michael? Like, what is his reason for doing things outside of just going after Lori? And I think time and time, we keep getting different explanations for it. And this one, we get the explanation that he's being led by Deborah to get his sister back in a way. And I just kind of like Michael being his own force of nature that is moving on his own of his own volition mm-hmm. not being guided by some external force Two, every time it pops up it just kind of looks ridiculous for me i'm sorry yeah. but just like the way that it's shot the way that it looks i feel like although i enjoy rob zombie putting his spin on things even though i just got done talking about how like he may have pulled too much from the original I feel like not having the template of the original to pull from, he just kind of went off the rails and did his own thing with a lot of the like stylistic choices and some of the plot moves and whatnot. And I was not for it. It, yeah. it didn't go in a direction that I enjoyed. Well, and I know that this one, so Rob Zombie, I actually, I know was said that there was a lot of studio interference with this one. So he's not happy with how this one turned out. Okay. He also, he also didn't want to make a sequel. Mm. Um, but they were going to make one with him or without him. So he said, well, I guess make it with me. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just it gets weird. It it gets used too much. I prefer when Laurie has that nightmare where she like reenacts the killings. Mm-hmm. I almost wish we just had more of that where it was. That was her connection to Michael was maybe 
these nightmares about him started to kind of manifest in her real life. I feel like that's something that they should have done rather than this horse that Lori's <laughs> never seen, never heard about, and the and her her old mom. Like I just thought that that was a step too far visually. The horse I liked, I just thought Deborah was not serving. In the way that I feel like she thought she was. And that's what bothered me is I thought the horse visually like a a big white striking horse, you know, in the middle of this darkness. I was like, that's pretty. Mm -hmm. But what is it? But why? it's just pretty. It doesn't really mean anything more than that, in my opinion. And I don't think that you should have because it's visually striking doesn't mean that you, you should totally turn the story to try and make it work just because you want to have this in here. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah. I mean, like for me, I'm just like, look, you can put what you can put the definition of your symbolism at the beginning of your movie if you want, but that's not going to make me automatically like it just because you explained it to me in the beginning. Like clearly the white horse needed to be in there. I feel that, but why, like why did it need to be in there? You know? Yeah. Well, and you could have put you could have said anything at the beginning, and I would have been like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you could have said this is a white horse, and I would have been like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't I, know. I like that that train of thought though, with the like reenactments of the killings though, especially if we're gonna go down this route by the end of it, that mm. she's kind of adopted some of the personality of her family and of Michael, and she's got you know she's seeing the white horse at the end. She's got the like dark smile that's insinuating that perhaps she now is another Michael. Um, If you're going to go down that route, we definitely could have played with this idea that she's having nightmares and visions of the past killings that Mm. ultimately lead her to doing killings herself. That would have been a fun uh, through line, I think. It would have been a fun journey to go down. But I just really found myself not caring during this one. And I I hate Mm. to be mean like that, but like just watching this one, I was like, I'm bored. Like, I don't really mm. care about what's happening in this. It's weird because I I think what I enjoy about this one, maybe even a little bit more than the first one, is I think because it's a different story than what we've already seen, mm-hmm. I'm just a little bit more interested in what we're doing. And I do really like the the this version of Lori where it's immediately after what's happened and we really see how heavily it's affected her because I don't really think we've ever gotten to see that kind of a version where it's like right after and it's so much PTSD. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've ever really gotten that version of um, a character in Halloween thus far. And I like seeing her kind of deal with everything that's happened. I even like the Loomis side plot where he's gone in a totally different direction than the Loomis that we've known before only Mm -hmm. because it feels to me very realistic in the sense of there are those people that take tragedies and and profit off of them and I could see I could see how that is potentially a path that this specific Loomis would go down yeah the profit path rather than the you know, I'm going to do something good with this. Mm -hmm. And I like exploring that. My biggest issue with that, however, is it feels like they didn't know how to weave him back into our main story. And the fact that he just shows up at the end is so dumb. I Mm -hmm. just, the, the fact that he just hears the story on the news and just pops up 
<laughs> and a and a pea coat. Like, hey, I think is 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 one of the worst aspects of that story because I do think that they I think that they do it for too long. Like, I think that he's on that path for too long, that like ego path. Mm-hmm. I think that they should have cut that in half and he should have started to be introduced back into the Haddonfield story like 20 to 30 minutes earlier yeah. than the end. Because as it stands, it feels like he just literally abracadabras <laughs> on the scene, runs into the building, and then gets killed. Yeah. Like, I, I think we could have even gotten, like, the angel plot point far earlier and had that reveal mm-hmm. happen earlier just to weave him back in. Um, also, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he get, like, two thumbs straight through the eyeballs? In the last one, how is he alive was kind of my first thought. And if even still, even if he was alive, how does he not have any damage at all? Brain damage, eye damage, something like going back to that scene in the first one, he got messed up. And yes, they are kind of presenting the thought that surgery fixes everything in this one. (laughs) Um, Regardless, like my man is unscathed from this from this interaction with Michael. And that for me was a little far-fetched. I let yeah. it go by like halfway through the movie. Cause I'm just like, clearly they're, n- they're not going to explain it. So I got to move on with my life. But I did think <laughs> that when he popped back up originally, I was like, aren't you dead? No, he's completely fine. And I don't mind. I don't mind that whole thing with like Linda's dad being upset and showing up, but I feel like that shouldn't have been Linda's dad. I feel like that should have been Lori. Mm. I feel like Lori should have signed up at the books, showed up at the book signing. You're right. She should have read the book earlier, showed up at the book signing, went off. And then that is what should have brought Loomis back in. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I revealed her secret. This is a bad, like, this is bad. I mean, let me find her and like apologize. Yeah. And then that's how he gets weed back in. That would have been fine with me. I honestly think that would have fixed everything for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just having him come back at the end is is it it does it's a disservice to his character because I actually really did like the the story they were going down. I just think that they didn't know how to bring him back in. Also, Annie, um, has gone Are through you it okay? consistently. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. <laughs> Annie, the sun did not come back out. <laughs> it didn't come back out. Not for her because it. She was truly going through it. I mean, she got the like shit stabbed out of her not once but, but twice. twice. Back to back, <laughs> two Halloweens in a row. That's a streak. That is a streak. It's so unfortunate. It really is. Poor Annie. I, I didn't even think about that. Annie got messed <laughs> Like, because it's in comparison to other characters who just died the first time, who just got killed, or even Lori. I mean, this second time around, Lori didn't get hurt too bad. Mm-mm. Comparison to Annie, I'm the way that her blood was painting the walls, what happened? Incredible. <laughs> There's no what blood happened? left in that body. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> it was wild. I mean, I was, I was, uh, I remember the first time I watched this movie, I was excited that she survived. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that she dies. It does. Yeah. I, I just felt, I felt for her. Cause I, was like, <laughs> I know in her head, she thought 
I knew I shouldn't have fucked with Lori anymore. I knew I should have ended that friendship. <laughs> she just moved on with my life, damn it. <laughs> but also, why do they live in the middle of nowhere now? Yeah, what is this? Like, what happened to Haddonfield? Where where'd all the houses go? Like, why did you become Mur- Muriel and Eustace and <laughs> move to nowhere when when it would I would assume would be better to stay in a neighborhood, at least have some neighbors? Yeah, I don't know. Like, but I mean, overall, I just feel like I liked a lot of the ideas of the Rob Zombie universe Halloweens. I do. And I and I actually respect veering off the path and doing your own thing. I feel like this was the season of the witch that I wanted, where it's like it's Halloween-esque, but it's not Halloween. You know, it's something, it's something Halloween adjacent. And it's doing its own thing. And I respect it in a lot of ways for that. It's just the first one, both both were too long for me. The first one, although I liked a bit more, I still I still had my issues with. And the second one, I just I, I couldn't really mess with. Mm-hmm. I, I gave it a go. But overall, I think it being boring for me was like <laughs> the biggest sin. Um, yeah. Whereas at least the first one had things that I can pick at. And be like, ah, maybe I would have changed this or like swap that out. But I still had a good time watching it. I still enjoyed watching that version. For me, the the Halloween two, I just, I, I was watching it because I had to watch it for this. But like, <laughs> I, I wasn't necessarily enjoying the ride of watching that one. That's fair. Now, yeah, and like I said, I I think there's a lot of issues. Weirdly, I think there's more issues in the second one than there are in the first one. But I I do really just feel like. Because it was a deviation from what we've seen before, I enjoyed that. Like yeah, I enjoyed it was going down. It was definitely the, interesting. Yeah, I enjoyed going down that path with Lori and a new path with Loomis. And I think that for me, like, held my attention enough that I was able to forgive the more outlandish plot points that they had. And I also liked the the ending of, I mean, I like the ending of both of this one, but I think the beginning and the ending of the, this one, the second one, um, I don't know. It was like a, for this being the button, like for there only being two movies within this universe, I actually mm-hmm. really like this as an ending. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I feel that. And I will. One thing, last thing I will say about this. I don't like that he shot this on 16 millimeter. I wish that he had shot it the same way that the original one was because this has that more traditional Rob Zombie look. Mm -hmm. But at this point in time, you've already established what you're going for. Yeah. So why are you now stepping back into what you're comfortable with when you've already filmed things a certain way like maybe you didn't like the way you filmed it the first time but i did so you should have done what i liked (laughs) (laughs) um but all right that leads us again into yet another (laughs) reboot but this one being the one that i think is on everybody's lips minds and conscious consciousness consciousnesses conscious eyes and everyone's (laughs) thoughts right now uh which is the the first of the current uh, Halloween trilogy mm-hmm. um, with Halloween 2018, directed by David Gordon Green, written by Jeff Fradley with help from David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, starring a returning Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode, Judy Greer as Karen, Andy Matchick as Allison, 
and James Jude Courtney and Nick Castle as the shape. It's been 40 years since Michael's killing spree in Haddonfield. Confined at the Smiths Grove Psychiatric Hospital, he is visited by Aaron and Dana, two true crime podcasters who attempt to break through to Michael using his mask. Michael, now under the care of Loomis's student, Dr. Sartain, is being transferred to a maximum security prison, but there is an accident allowing Michael to escape. Back in Haddonfield, Lori lives in isolation. Fearing for Michael's inevitable return, Lori spends most of her time drinking in her fortified home. Due to her paranoia, she has a strained relationship with her daughter Karen and her granddaughter Allison. When she learns of the accident, she tries to warn her family about Michael, but is dismissed. That Halloween, Michael returns to Haddon and goes on a killing spree. Allison is almost killed, but is saved by Deputy Hawkins and Dr. Sartain. But when Hawkins tries to kill Michael, it is revealed that the events had been orchestrated by Sartain and he attacks Hawkins and steals the unconscious Michael. Michael awakens and kills Sartain before heading to Lori's home and killing her son-in-law. The three women face off against Michael and after a hard-fought battle, manage to trap him in the basement, setting the home ablaze. We end on our trio catching a ride back to the hospital while gazing back at the inferno that was once Lori's home. Roll credits. <laughs> All right. So, yes, we are back with Jamie Lee Curtis's version of Lori. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, this is a reboot. We are revitalizing our original story. But once again... Going, we're going ahead and uh, vetoing all that came within. So we're jumping <laughs> directly from the original to 2018. Yeah. The biggest difference here being this time Michael gets caught after the events of the first movie. Right. Right. Yeah. They they kind of fill in the, the blanks for us because with where 2018 is picking up, it's, it's like they, they – because – that first one is the only one that's canon for that. They're able to kind of go back and like fill in blanks for what would have happened after that. They can kind of like make up whatever they want because right. nothing else exists at this moment in time. And I will say it's it's fun. I like like I like when they do kind of go back and and make stuff up in this one. Like there's that conversation with Allison and her friends where where he's like, Oh yeah, like wasn't that her brother? And they go, no, that's some that's something that people made up just to <laughs> to explain it. You know, I I do like I do like when they go back and they allude to some of the other stuff that happened to the series while mm -hmm. also saying, nah, 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 that's not what happened. Right. No, yeah, I I love how much love for the original movie is present in this movie. I think that really adds to its charm because you can tell like. At least this first one in the trilogy is definitely a love letter to the OG Halloween. And yeah, it's just really nice to see kind of just an updated version of what I think a lot of us appreciate. Uh, I really like this idea that we're what, 40 years 
post the events, right? Something like that? Yes, I believe so. Let me see. I believe so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're 40 years after the events, which is a much longer period of time than we've had um, in any of the other ones, any of the other entries up until this point. And also, it's kind of in line, too, with the series as a whole, because the series has been around for over 40 freaking years which is mm -hmm. insane insane that we've had this much halloween but i like how grounded this premise is and i think a lot of that is honestly led by this version of lori um yeah. because i do think that had the events of the first halloween happened and then someone just had to live their life after that for 40 years I do think that you would end up with this version of Laurie Strode, this person mm -hmm. who is just like that event haunts them for the rest of their life. Like they are fully traumatized by that. And everything about their life now revolves around waiting for this guy who terrorized them back when they were younger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like I really like what they did with Laurie in this one. It makes a lot of sense. I feel like her journey throughout and like throughout the 40 years that we haven't seen i mean to say i yeah i completely don't think it's weird that she would have isolated herself and kind of turned more towards the evil that is in the world like really focused on that aspect of life and how things can go bad and and how you have to be prepared for those things and what i do like is that they make it clear that she has in some degree tried to live a life it's like she because she's been married and divorced and she had a kid but it's very clear that in the battle between living a life and living in fear, living in fear has consistently won for her. Mm -hmm. And so she is always preparing, always waiting and anticipating and knowing that if something were to happen, if Michael were to come back, she would be ready. But what I like about this is that because we're picking up from the first one, he's never come back. Yeah. This has been the way that it's been. He's never he's never actually broken out he's never done anything since that first night so i like with it i like that because it then presents whereas in other movies you think to yourself why are people so dumb when it comes to michael myers why aren't mm -hmm. they more prepared whereas in this one laurie really does seem like the one who is the only one who is being maybe way 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 paranoid about things because for everybody else michael myers is no longer a threat and exactly. so it's understandable why people around her think, oh, my God, stop living in the past, like move forward with your life. Yeah. Of course, us as the audience are on Laurie's side. But I do appreciate that they did that because you can't fault the other characters for not being on her side. They have no reason to doubt that everything's under control. Yeah. And even back when we talked about H2O, like 20 years post the events was honestly enough time for a lot of the people and the residents um, to kind of move past the Michael Myers story. So mm -hmm. this idea that it's 40 years since that happened, that is such a long time to every year being like the boogeyman is going to be coming and for the boogeyman to not show up like after after like 10 of those years, I, I definitely think people are going to start being like, 
homegirl. She's in jail. Like you can yeah. you can look at the video feed. He's you can see him in there. Like we know where he is. And that's the other thing too is we know exactly where he is this time. It's not like right. oh he's just vanished and we haven't seen him for years. It's like no, he's been locked up. That's where right. he is. And, and he's old. And he's old. Like <laughs> and, and that's something that I do think that we'll talk about as we go through these next three is just like time and age and what that has done to both of these characters mm-hmm. um but i did like the introduction of like these uh reporters or like uh yeah the uh, podcast the podcasters i yeah. i think that that is such a great catalyst for a lot of the events of this one because it is like all right if it has been 40 years and he is locked up how do how do we ignite this engine how do we get this story mm-hmm. started again of course, it'd be from people who are just curious about the story. Yeah, I love this opening. I mm-hmm. think it's great. It's a great start off. And I think that what I like about these characters is I feel like they're a great representation of the world now in comparison to maybe how it used to be is that with introduction of like podcasts and and with true crime on the rise is that I feel like these these podcasters are very, they're very arrogant in within mm-hmm. the story in the sense of I think that every once in a while it's it's important to put a lens on situations like this where I think bringing back past cr- crimes and and unsolved cases and things like that, it can be beneficial. It, it can be because, you know, sometimes things like that get brought back and new evidence comes up, et cetera, et cetera. But I think I like what they did with these ones, because in this case, there is nothing to solve. They, they, <laughs> we've got it figured out. Like everything is clear to see. But these people are so like um, invested and focused on getting the story that they've forgotten that there is a victim and there is like a and there are people that were really hurt by this situation and they just completely gloss over the fact that no sometimes people are just evil and mm-hmm. they're like so bent on oh you need to you need to fake go face to face and 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 ask him your questions and get your closure and Laurie's like why the f- why? why why would i yeah. do that like why would i want to do that it is what it is but i i like this idea of because kind of over the years we have looked at like is there more to michael what is it what is it about him and then i like in this one it's this idea of you have these people who who come up and and are kind of saying that same thing like no there's there's got to be reasons there's got to be answers and at the end of the day, it's like not everything needs reasoning and answers. Sometimes people are just bad people. And at least for 2018, we'll get into the rest of it. But at least for 2018, I feel like that's what they are kind of showing with with this story. Because even with Dr. Sultan, mm-hmm. he's like so obsessed with Michael and, and this idea that there's more in there. There's more going on like what is Michael's going to say something? What's it going to be? Yeah. Everyone's and, humanizing this. Yeah. This evil that we have established in the in the past iterations and in the, I guess, canon for this one, that this character is just pure evil. Like there mm-hmm. is no human behind that. Like he is yeah. evil incarnate. That's it. That's this, all like, there that's is. That's it. That's all you need to know. 
And yeah, I, I don't know. I just like the I like what they touch on in this one because there is this idea of with so much time passing that there is this sens- sensationalized element to Michael where people have forgotten how powerful and how dangerous he can be just because so much time has passed. You see it with the podcasters. You see it with um, even in that same conversation that Allison is having with her friends where they're almost kind of Allison isn't, but um the guy that she's with is almost kind of joke uh not cameron the other one the one that is uh, dave dave yeah so her her yeah so her friend dave is kind of talking about it in a very flippant way as if oh why like can she get over it why is it that big of a deal like worst things are happening in the world you know kind of a thing Mm -hmm. where it's this feeling of sometimes when when time passes and you get so far away from it it almost doesn't even feel like it's real anymore so you kind of get fixated on the all these questions when sometimes the the answer is super easy it's just like the guy's the guy's evil like what what else (laughs) what else are we trying to (laughs) figure out Uh, but I, I also like the exploration of the effect that this whole situation has had on Lori and her family, too, especially mm-hmm. with like Karen and then subsequently Allison. Right. Is like we keep getting Karen talking about how she basically lost her childhood and her upbringing because all of it was revolved around Michael Myers and his inevitable return. Like that's the only thing that her mother was really prepping her for. And she clearly has resentment towards her for that because she's Mm -hmm. had to spend her entire life in fear over something that doesn't even affect her or has never truly affected her um, on a personal level. And I think that that sort of dynamic of like what that strain will do um, on their family as a whole is a fun thing that we never have gotten to see really to this Mm -hmm. degree. And Having that kind of be the backdrop to everything that's going to happen is, is I think, a nice jumping off point. Because I do think that it gives um, the three of these ladies a place to to work from. And, like, they're still family, but they're a very dysfunctional family over something that wasn't any of their faults. But it's something yeah. that they're plagued to have to live with for the rest of their lives. Yeah. They're still suffering the consequences of it whether they you know should or not but yeah it's because obviously we got a little bit of a this point of view in h2o but it's nice in this one because we're seeing three generations of it now three different completely different perspectives and i what i do like is that yes so karen is completely overcompensating for her mother who truly is really focused on the evil in the world so karen overcompensates by like thinking everything is beautiful and sunshine and rainbows and everything is good and there are good people and there's light in the world like she really leans into that because she's lived she lived her childhood in fear and so now she's trying to work past that in a way that her mother isn't and then allison i i like what they did with allison because i feel like they could have written her as a character who is maybe resentful or doesn't want a relationship with Lori, but she does she she does still want to be like see her grandmother and she calling her grandmother is so posh to me I'm like grandma just call her grandma, grandma. <laughs> did you speak to grandmother today i was like what <laughs> <laughs> Where, who are you <laughs> yeah. 
like, all right, you're late for tea with the queen, girl. Damn. Um, nah, I feel that, though. I do. And, like, I, I think that that is, again, a nice way to, to um, add layers into that relationship, too, because it would have been very yeah. easy to just make her straight up hate her over her effect on the family but it's like no they want to connect and i think that that Mm -hmm. is good and i like their relationship i like allison and and laurie's relationship because you can tell that they like i i just like the conversations they have because they're not totally focused on one thing or another like obviously it's clear that laurie talks about michael a lot yeah that is probably a lot of her life but But when they're not talking about michael yeah she's still really interested in allison's life what she's doing i love that conversation where she like gives her the money and she tells her to like go on a trip or go somewhere like i like that laurie still has a little bit of like a maternal instinct it's just Mm -hmm. few and far between when she's thinking of Michael. Yeah. And then now we get the podcasters obviously provoking Michael with the mask, which going back to them uh, being a little bit too uh, big for the britches. Uh, y'all, y'all mess up with that one. You should have known Yo. better. Go Yo wave this nuts. man's mask in front of his face and thought nothing was going to come from that. Talking about say something. The, to the, who? <laughs> to you? Who are you? <laughs> what? The absolute disrespect. Yeah. From that to just none of these universes figuring out that just leave Michael where he is. Stop trying to transport him places. Yeah. Like every single time this happens. Uh, but I guess in your universe, you don't know this yet. But it's just like, come on now. Stop it's, moving this man. Right. He's fine. I think <laughs> he's been fine. But Will, I will say once again that I like that they did in this one is introducing Dr. Sartan, this character who seemingly almost fits the Loomis role, but then has this these nefarious motives, because then I think you start to get into this idea of, well, how much was orchestrated by him? Mm. Well, how what, did they need to move Michael or did he suggest it? Right. You know, and then, then you start to find out that he really played a, a bigger role. I do like that. I will say the first time I watched that, I really wasn't expecting that. I was not expecting him to come out and... and Shank an officer? Yeah, no, me neither. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and and to be so obsessed with Michael in a, in a sense of he's he's really... What I what I like about it and what I will say is clever, especially when you start to get into later entries in this trilogy is I do like that because for Lori, I think a lot of this time she's really, really been convinced that it's her like she is the thing that is tethering Michael mm-hmm. to this place. <laughs> she is the thing that he is consistently going to be after. But what I feel like gets introduced with having this character who's really pulling these strings is Laurie kind of isn't that anymore. And and what we're we're going back to this idea of it was a wrong place, wrong time scenario. Mm-hmm. Michael is just tied to this because of his home. This is Haddonfield is his home. Yeah. And I like that you have this character who very specifically almost like brings michael wrapped in a bow to laurie's doorstep <laughs> rather than him searching her out like I, I i think that that was a smart way to go because it makes more sense to me especially if you're only tying this to the first one it makes more sense to me that either laurie sought him out or he unwittingly found her rather than him always going after her i i think that also opens it up because these other characters and these other people within her family feel 
just as important because it's not just all about Lori. It's kind of like it's all about just Haddonfield as a whole. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I mean, with this update, too, we get some we get an updated mask, which we haven't really talked about the mask mm-hmm. much today. But I do like the trilogy's mask. I'm I'm mm-hmm. a fan. I think it looks really good. I think the way that they aged it to match the like 40 years is well done. Um, I think the way that this Michael kills is also a nice is a nice uh, refreshing take um, mm-hmm. on Michael's brutality, because this one, it it veers away from the like very emotion rage driven uh, Rob Zombie one to a more calm and collected Michael Myers that we're used to while still maintaining some of the same levels of brutality that we've seen in some of the more recent iterations of Michael. And so Mm -hmm. now you have this really sweet juxtaposition of the emotionless figure with just some terrifying murders. Yeah, because he feels really led by killing in this one. Mm -hmm. He's just kind of bebopping back and forth and just kind of killing. It's like if you're in his way, you are going to die just point blank. Yeah, and I mean, there's that great sequence where he's just kind of like walking through people's houses and and just killing them along the way. I think one of my favorite sequences in this movie is the the babysitting scene. Oh, fuck me. I saw someone in the hallway standing outside my door. Oh, what's up, buddy? There was a fucked up face watching me from the dark. Oh, ghosts and goblins, little buddy. Shut up, Dave. I heard him breathing, and then I saw him. He's in here. Boogeyman's in this house. Okay, all right. Come on, I got you. Let's check it out. Sit Dave first. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. No, it's, no, fine. it's not. No, it's not. Come on, no, show me not. where you saw Boogeyman. I'll protect you. I'm strong. I got you. No, no I'll fight him off. Come on. No. I promise. Can you call my mom? Yeah. There's something in the room. I'll call her. He was standing right there in, in the door. I'll check it out. See, there's nothing to be afraid of. There's no Boogeyman in here. What if it's a doll? Ooh, it could be like one of those weird, like kid dolls one of those weird babies when they stare at you with those beady little eyes mm-hmm. you close the closet door yeah Mm-hmm. I think that that scene was awesome because it goes back to this idea of that we kind of praised in the first one of this idea of the boogeyman and and that being just an inherent fear for kids. And also, I think they did a really cle- they did a clever switch of I really did expect this scene to go a specific way. I really didn't think that it was go- he was going to be in the closet just because they were giving so giving it so much attention. Right. I really didn't think he was going to be in there. And so when he was, like I was <laughs> I was just as shook as Julian. Yeah. Nah, <laughs> for real though. That that was a great sequence. I think from beginning to end. I'm I'm real glad Julian made it out. I had a feeling that yeah. he would, but um I don't know. I still got a little scared at a moment. I was like, please don't kill this poor boy. I know. But I and I love uh, I just think that that whole thing. I don't know. I like his and Vicky's relationship. And I like that she 
you know, got him. Because it kind of reminds me of Lori with with Tommy and Lindsay. How it's like, of course, they're scared. They're just kids, too. But the focus is kind of like, make sure that the kid's okay. And Mm -hmm. hopefully I get out, too. I mean, she definitely didn't. But And Vicky was also very likable, too, which I think gave weight to that kill. Because it's like, dang. She was she was actually a really nice character. That sucks mm-hmm. that you got murdered in this way. Yeah, I think Allison's. I actually like Allison's group. Mm-hmm. I I like all of the characters. I think that they did a good job with them because I even if the characters who have like less redeeming qualities, you know, um, like Oscar has some questionable qualities to him and Mm. even cameron who does some shitty things even with those characters who have those moments i'm still feel fairly invested in them Mm -hmm. and i appreciate the way that they were written them to me are a much more enjoyable group to hang around than you know like the Rob Zombie yeah. <laughs> version of, the, of teenagers. <laughs> <teen> group. <laughs> also, we see a kid get pretty brutally killed fairly True. early in this one, which I don't feel like we've really we... <laughs> seen a kid that young, at least, get killed on screen in a Halloween movie. Yeah, no, that's true. Because I can't, I can't recall what other kids he's killed. In the, in the past entries, but even if he has, it has not been like one that shown. we put, yeah, shown yeah. and one that we focused on. So that's a big deal to kind of show that this uh, this whirlwind of death stops for no man, woman, or child, apparently. Nope, and Michael care. was just on a tear. Mm. And now the ending obviously is... Um, it's setting up for the next one in a way like it, it is and it isn't. And although I like the confrontation at the end, I like all three of the girls fighting back. And I honestly like the whole sequence within mm-hmm. Lori's house. The way I don't know, it's kind of it's kind of like that that H2O syndrome again of where like I liked where we ended. Like I like the head being chopped off. I like the beast being killed. But for me as somebody who's you know watching these in succession and knowing that there's going to be another one after this it kind of like muddied the end for me because i'm just like well i know he's not dead like i know this plan doesn't work and so it took away from some of that urgency and some of that uh chutzpah and hurrah but overall i did think the last confrontation was pretty fun yeah for me despite knowing that he was going to survive this i just think i love because you know what's cool about it is that this whole time they've been really Karen's been alluding to how crazy Lori gets and how she felt like she was locked in a cage in that house. And we keep kind of getting bits and pieces of how serious Lori is about security and and crossing all of your exes. And so it's so satisfying to me when we finally get to see exactly what she's been doing for the last 40 years. And I love seeing all the different ways that she's prepared herself, like mm-hmm. the how all of the rooms shut off and the, the, the counter and how it leads into the basement. I mean, I love that. And I love Karen's switch of her pretending to be scared and then, yeah. like, and then being like, nah, I'm cool. And also too, 
The only thing that I don't like, this is a really small thing, but it bothers me every time, is I love that reveal at the end that it was the trap, that the basement was the end goal. They were always trying to get him into the basement, and that was the trap. I love that. However, Karen, all throughout the movie, has been... has been alluding to yeah like oh i was like i was like a prisoner in my childhood Mm -hmm. and how and then laurie says something to her when they first get down there and she's like i know that you always thought that this was like a cage like the basement was a cage and then allison comes in and out of nowhere she says um i'm locked in a cage when she like goes down she's like (gasps) she's like oh i'm locked in a cage And then later on, Karen says, it's not a cage. It's a trap. Mm -hmm. Why? I think that that I don't think Allison should have said that. I thought that that was mad dumb. (laughs) I know that's such a small thing, but it just feels like the only reason they had her say that was so that Karen could have that like cool line of it's not a cage. It's a trap. Uh But I feel like they I feel like that would have been more satisfying to me if that was a um. That was a conversation between Karen and Lori. Like mm-hmm. if Karen had been thinking that whole time, like, oh, I, I'm back here. So I hate being trapped right. in this place. Because she's the one and, that's got history here. Yeah. I'm like, why would Allison say that? Mm-hmm. What? Girl, you're not in a cage. This is the only thing keeping you safe. So you better <laughs> right shut <now>. up yeah. <laughs> and keep it together. But yeah, I just felt like that would have been so much more powerful to me if that was a just that exchange was totally between Karen and Lori. And then somewhere at the end, like... Lori said like it's not a it's not a cage and then Cameron was like it's a trap or something mm-hmm. I don't know I thought that would have been cooler it just irritated me that Allison inserted herself in <laughs> this healing moment that wasn't even about her <laughs> <laughs> that's fair um it was also very satisfying to see Lori pull some Myers moves on Michael mm-hmm. in terms of just like how she's moving through the shadows and all this stuff and just like the Yeah, this character, this is a person who has been training their entire life for that one thing. And so when we see them do that one thing, they should be damn good at it. And I'm glad that she is. She is extremely good at it, Um, despite the fact that Michael still has all of his strengths. But this time she is aware of them and knows how to play around them and knows how to Mm -hmm. fight against them. I think that is also another refreshing dynamic that. I mean, I mean, I don't know why pulling back from H2O so much, but we got a hint of that in H2O when we see her fight back for the first time, like truly, truly fight back. And this time it feels more like a grizzled veteran uh, yeah. scrapping against their their longtime nemesis. And it felt yeah. good. It felt good to see. It's cool because it feels like obviously, you know, they're both older. Mm-hmm. Um, but and so, yeah, Lori is not doesn't have Michael's strengths. She's not completely adept at fighting hand-to-hand combat with him and we can see that but yeah she's she's smart and she's cunning enough that she's able to get out of these situations and it almost feels like just as much as like killing kind of leads Michael on it feels like the adrenaline of this fight waiting 40 years for this fight is kind of like propelling her through Mm -hmm. until she'll feel it later I'm sure but (laughs) at this moment in time it just feels like all of that waiting all of that like anticipation, all of that activia <laughs> that she's been eating for the last 40 years has like 
yeah, culminated in this one night where she is prepared. Like, especially when she falls off of the roof and he looks away and he looks back and she's gone. And she's gone. Yeah, it's Great. like moments like that where you're like, yes, this is the kind of stuff that I that I like to see in a battle of wits between two characters like this because, yeah, it's very satisfying to see. She's probably remembered that moment her entire life of mm-hmm. him not being there anymore, and it's awesome to see her, like, pull the same kind of a trick on him. Exactly. Um, so I feel like overall, dude, I really, really like the first entry of this trilogy. Yeah. Um, I think that it was a fresh take on um, on some old ideas while still paying a lot of homage and paying a lot of respect to the things that were, you know, laid down in John Carpenter's foundation. And I think that it really, really set up what could be um, the quintessential trilogy so i think it lays the groundwork for a really nice trilogy and potential send-off for the series but then we get into kills and yeah kills gets a little bit wacky let's talk (laughs) yeah let's talk about it let's go let's go ahead and transition from halloween 2018 to halloween kills 2021 uh this one again directed by david gordon green uh this time written by scott teams but still with help from david gordon green and danny mcbride starring all returning of jamie lee curtis as laurie judy greer as karen andy matchick as allison but also including anthony michael hall as tommy doyle and james jude courtney and nick castle as the shape After the brutal confrontation with Michael, Lori is taken to Haddonfield Memorial Hospital with her daughter and granddaughter and undergoes emergency surgery. Back at Lori's burning home, firefighters attempt to stop the flames and encounter Michael, who slaughters them all with their own equipment before heading towards Haddonfield. Elsewhere, several survivors of Michael's attack in 78, including Tommy Doyle, celebrate 40 years of his imprisonment before hearing about the massacre at Lori's home. Determined to put an end to the evil, Tommy and company form a group to hunt and kill Michael. Karen finds out that Michael is still alive, but keeps the information from her resting mother and resuscitated Deputy Hawkins. But Tommy arrives at the hospital with Lindsay Wallace and reveals Michael is still alive. Hysteria breaks out when another escaped convict is mistaken for Michael, who tries to flee the mob, but falls to his death in front of the hospital. Back at the Myers home, Allison and her boyfriend Cameron find the corpses of the current residents and Cameron's father before Cameron is killed by Michael. Before he can kill Allison, he is ambushed by Karen who steals his mask and leads him into Tommy's mob who seemingly kill him. Michael, however, rises again and slays the mob, including Tommy, before making his way back to the house and killing an unsuspecting Karen. Roll credits. Man, you know, Halloween is plagued by this sequel stuttering. Every time. Every time. I mean, and that might just be for us because like we like I I think I mentioned this Halloween 2, I think 
the original Halloween 2 sequel. I know a lot of people like that movie. Yeah, and we've so gotten some for, pushback on that one. We were like, we, we, we enjoy the second one and we hear you. And I hear you. Your your opinion is completely valid. And I actually and I un- totally understand where you're coming from. Um, but I think for both of us, because we didn't enjoy the second one as much as the first one, we've now gotten into this. Yeah, this cycle where we like the first and then the second one comes and it just feels like it struggles so much to continue the story because we had it with one to two. We had it from four to five. We had it from H2O to Resurrection. Resurrection. For you specifically, you had it from Rob, Rob Zombies, Zombies 1 to 2. And now we're back. Halloween to Halloween Kills is it can't stick the landing. <laughs> it's like it flipped. It did all the flips. And, and at first you're like, oh, my God, they've got it. And then they go to land and they just like completely fall backwards. Every time. <laughs> Every time. I couldn't believe by the end of 2 or sorry, by the end of Kills, I was like, I cannot believe we're here again. Another sequel that just kind of dropped the ball for me. And it's just like, it's the, for me, it's the ways that it dropped the ball that really kind of irked me. Yeah. It's frustrating. Like it actually, it actually upset me. I mean, like, okay, so we get this beginning sequence, which I, I didn't mind. I didn't mind the little flashback. We, we, we flash back to um, Lonnie. Well, we f- we flash back to two characters that we will see again. One we've already met, um, which is Sheriff oh, Officer Hawkins. I'm sorry. So one of the characters we met already in 2018, Officer Hawkins. We flash back to we're flashing back to the the original night, mm-hmm. and we find out that Officer Hawkins was there. And then we also flash back to um, the character of Lonnie Lonnie Elam, who is a the father of Cameron, who is. Allison's boyfriend, but Lonnie was also now correct me if I'm wrong, but Lonnie is also the character from the original Halloween that Loomis like Lonnie is the kid who goes up to the Myers house when when Loomis is like, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. I think that's who that is. Is that who it is? Okay. I think that's who that's supposed to be. I know that all of them are callbacks to the original kids, but I kind of lost track of like who was who towards the end. Not going to lie. But all well could be. I'm fairly certain that that is who that is because I always remembered that line. um, (laughs) And I'm fairly. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that it's that's who Lonnie is supposed to be. Um, And so we kind of see that. Okay, this to me was me- so Officer Hawkins is is all twisted up about the fact that when him and his partner went to the Myers house to find Michael, his partner was getting choked out and he shot he tried to shoot Michael and he accidentally shot his partner and his partner died. Um, your partner was going to die anyway. So right. don't even feel bad. Like truly don't feel bad about it at all. He was on death's door. He was yeah. ringing the doorbell. It's fine. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> but the thing that's upsetting about that is like, that's not even fully the reason why he's all the way broken up about the whole situation. And yeah. it's just, we have to wait until later when he reveals like, Oh, also I'm the reason that they didn't shoot Michael that day. It's like, just lead with that. 
Why do we have right. to go down this whole like grief path of like your partner? Where it's like that's not even what you're bent out of shape yeah. about. Yeah, you're mad because you think that, but it's like it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. Even if you guys had shot him, that's the thing that irritates me about this whole regret thing storyline in this movie is both him and Lori go down these paths of regret that I just feel like um, don't make any sense to me. And I get it when you're grieving or upset about something doesn't mean that it needs to make sense. But I frustrated because they spend so much time on it. It's yeah. like he's he's mad that he didn't decide to just kill Michael it wouldn't have mattered, so don't even shed a tear. And then Lori's mad because she... Why is Lori upset? She, <laughs> why is Lori even why mad? Is Lori, Lori's, I, Lori's upset because of this whole thing and its effect on the town as a whole. Right, right. And then she kind of feels like it's... Like, she feels almost responsible, like she created this hysteria. Mm -hmm. And... In my head, I'm thinking, how did you create it? You ain't talked to anybody for 40 years. <laughs> you ain't got not a single girl. friend. Nobody has spoken to you but your daughter and your granddaughter. How did you create the hysteria? Who? They how? <laughs> <laughs> like, look, one, there are too many flashbacks in this movie. Yes. Too, too many. We spend way too much time in the past for me. And I understand that the kind of the big point of this one is... Michael and Lori, that whole situation and its effect on Haddonfield and what it's done to the residents and how the people who weren't directly involved in that specific instant that night, like what happened to them? Like what's up with all the side characters? Like what's the right. shit that they had to deal with? I like the idea in theory. Right. I do. I'm like, okay, we're exploring some different things within this universe. I'm here for it. But we spend so much time on the flashbacks and then so, so many of these characters make such silly decisions. Um, a lot of people's characters just flip flop from one scene to another. Um, we got like that one black couple who is not about any of this shit. Yeah. And then one scene later or sorry, one monologue later, they're like, Yo, we'll help you do whatever you guys need. Like, yeah, they're picking up pitchforks, ready to join the the fight. There's like, this is a very nitpicky thing, and this is even like a different point. But there's like a point where like it's after like Allison leaves to go on the witch hunt and leaves the knife or machete with Lori in her room, and then Karen comes in and throws away the jacket that has the knife in it, but somehow doesn't realize that there's a knife in it. And then Lori gets up, goes in, pulls the jacket out and pulls the knife out. Like she knew the knife was there the entire time. Like there's just these little random things that the characters do throughout the whole movie that irks me. Like same couple talking about that couple. They go outside. They just hear this whole thing about the boogeyman, Michael Myers and all the things that they, that, that he did. And then they're like, okay, we need to go home. Like it's, it's dangerous out here. Proceeds to be like, I left my stethoscope inside. Hey, babe, go into the car yeah. by yourself. Like, I'm sorry, Are what? you serious? Buy a new stethoscope <laughs> or just reach back out in the morning and say, hey, I think my... I think I left my stethoscope at that. Who uses their real stethoscope for a Halloween <laughs> costume anyway? That's so unprofessional. <laughs> or everybody in the town suddenly knowing what Michael Myers looks like, even though nobody knows what Michael Myers looks this like. Like man's body type could not be <laughs> further from what Michael Myers is. Michael Myers is tall. He's like fairly strong built. 
like if nothing else you don't know what this man's face looks like you the his name is the the shape shape. (laughs) you don't look at a triangle and say oh that's a square like you know the shape you know what the shape is so why are we i get it i get the whole mass hysteria and how it's this idea of everyone's so scared everybody's so focused on bringing things into their own hands that they go for it however we have done this successfully once before we did this in halloween 4 Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. i liked it but what i liked about that was because people were like going to the streets and doing it and also that was just a side story and this one it feels like there's no story it feels like we're just kind of going from scene to scene to scene to scene. It's like these little mini moments that we just keep jumping in between, but there's no through line for me, which gets really boring after a while. And also too, we kind of start off with this idea of, okay, we're hitting the streets looking for Michael, but then that quickly turns into everybody being at the hospital. Yeah. I swear, if we get locked in another hospital <laughs> on Haddonfield, I'm, I'm about to burn that bitch down. I'm sick of these hospitals. <laughs> we pulled a straight Halloween t- to again with this shit where we just got this interesting version of Lori doing some top-notch shit and look I'll go back a little bit and give some praise here because I am cool with the way that Michael Myers escapes the fire I think the whole the you know the fire department coming and like trying to all that works for me I think that whole sequence where he takes everybody out is dope it's cool Mm -hmm. um but then from there we take all of the setup from that first one from from Halloween and then we stick Lori into the hospital where she can't do anything and then we leave the rest of the story up to Michael and the town and we've already been here we've already seen it not work get Lori back in the story put her in there like people already want more Lori because they want this to be the final confrontation between these two and you got her bedridden again. And now it makes sense. It makes sense that she'd be out for a little bit mm-hmm. after that last exchange. I'm not saying that that part isn't logical, but what it ultimately does is it leads us, it leaves us with a bunch of callback characters who we kind of care about where they've been and what they do, but not for the length of an entire yeah. movie, especially when it turns out that all of them are just body count in the end. Not enough. Yeah. The re- the them bringing back Tommy and Lindsay, I actually and Marion actually. I don't dislike I I like when they kind of pull these old characters back in. But my issue is they both introduced them in this one movie. They introduce them. They act like they've I like I just don't like what they did with them mm-hmm. because I feel like a if OK, fine, I get it. Lori's down and out. That's fair. But then we need to make a decision. Are we going to follow Allison then? Or is this going to be an Allison story? Is this going to be a Karen story? Okay, fine. It's a Michael story. Cool. So then that's fine. Let's we'll we'll kind of be following Michael as he goes through, right? Mm-hmm. But then that means that you better have some fun subplots of that. And it's just not fun enough. It's just everything feels so corny. Because if mm-hmm. you're gonna have it be a Michael story, I want something equally as exciting happening on the sidelines. And instead, we get the Three Stooges kind of just <laughs> bumbling through the streets. Everybody is making mistakes, which is fine. You know, they're just people. But my issue is you you introduce introduce Lindsay and Tommy and Marion and Ronnie like they are these 
professional vigilantes and like Mm -hmm. they're so they've been ready the evil dies tonight we've been waiting for this i don't think that that's how you should have introduced them i think that you already have that you already have lori lori's been waiting She's been waiting the 40 years. Right. (laughs) I would have preferred it if these characters were still friends, friendly, what have you. But I actually think it would have been more interesting if they were a little bit more reluctant about what they were having to do. And then maybe they kind of got roped in because they were the only people besides Lori who had faced Michael Myers and lived. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it was more of like a reluctant, yeah, we'll help you. And then from that point on, they're getting taken out. I think why the stupidity feels so like exponential is because they go into it like they're... Like they they hot shit. They're like, we got this. Like they're 007, like doing barrel rolls down the street. And then immediately they are just not at all clever about especially the worst is the whole Lindsay thing i don't know why they even thought that that was a good idea to have that sort of a scene where everybody just gets stuck in a car and Mm -hmm. gets taken out and then Lindsay has the slowest chase scene i've ever seen in my (laughs) life thing about michael myers is if he's going to be a walker you better make those chase scenes interesting Mm -hmm. this is literally the scene was just Lindsay limping and breathing hard and then we kept cutting back to michael walking the slowest i've ever seen him walk (laughs) it was the weirdest i like and it lasts for almost i think just a minute straight Mm -hmm. it was weird yeah i just thought that whole sequence was bizarre it just felt like they thought oh we haven't had some kills in a while and this is halloween kills so we need some kills let's halloween kill yeah (laughs) yeah i I just feel like with this one, a lot of the emphasis was put on like the fights and the kills and the violence. And for me, those moments actually did work. And like even with the car sequence, I didn't mind it as much because it was nice to see all of them think that they were hot shit and just be completely useless when faced up against Michael Myers. Actually, uh, that that was fine for me. But um, that energy does not a full movie sustain in my opinion and Mm -hmm. all of the mass hysteria stuff especially all the sequences with fake michael in the hospital i was so over it like just it it, it was dumb It, it, it was absolutely dumb to me and i think by the by the time that we got done with that i was just so fed up with like the town and that situation that it was kind of no going back from the movie for me. I was like, yo, this is this is silly. Like this got silly um, yeah. beyond the point that I needed it to. Yeah, I just I, uh... I liked like and I liked the Myers house stuff. I liked that. Mm-hmm. I actually liked the like Big John, Little John whole side plot. I don't know why, but I liked the idea of this. These people who moved into the Myers house and renovated it and like knew the story. But like I said, it's been 40 years so so they don't care that yeah doesn't I, matter I enjoyed anymore. them too i enjoyed them I, too yeah i thought that was actually that was actually one of my favorite parts of this movie was the myers house and and michael going back to that house and and wiping out the people that are there i, I liked that a lot i i did think it was kind of ridiculous that nobody thought to check the myers house mm-hmm. um fairly early on i did think that was a little bit silly yeah. but 
yeah, you know, I, I, I wish that we had maybe spent a little bit more time. I don't know how, but I wish that we had maybe spent a little bit more time in that story. And then, you know, Allison and Cameron being in there. I, I don't even I don't even mind that. Like Allison and Cameron's whole thing there, Karen coming and then like luring him out and, and that trap. I actually thought that was cool. Like that yeah, was more liked, of what I wanted to see. I yeah, wanted to see that, that. Exactly. And I think that that having the town be no match for Michael, maybe that's where the misstep was. Like maybe having these characters actually be prepared enough that we saw similar to in the in the first one a lori that is competent enough to at least stand ground with michael we have some legacy characters that have also been waiting for this fool to come back like actually and have some sort of plan to go against them that way when they fail it has more weight because it's like damn there's another legacy character that was really trying their all, but Michael got the best of them again. I think I would have rather had that than this just everybody go out into the streets and get slaughtered kind of vibe that we had. And I think the hysteria got too big. You know, there was just too many people. We should have contained yeah. it to it a town. select number of people. <laughs> yeah, it didn't need to be the whole town. Like, we didn't need the whole town riled up on this one. Um, yeah. Because it just ended up, it led to a plot point that was what? The guy falls out of the window, and now Lori feels bad Yeah, that Lori feels her bad. story affected the town. That's Karen, all that we got from that. Yeah, and then Karen's upset, and I also feel like they didn't really know what they wanted to do with Karen in this one. Yeah, Because um, Allison, like, Allison, I feel like, started to, like, really lean into her rage that she felt about what happened and, and really wanting to kind of get revenge and take this person down, which I could see. Especially because I think out of Allison didn't really get a chance to fight back too, too much in the first one. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until the end that she did that. And then it, you kind of see her work through that, but find, I guess, power in that. And so I felt like Allison's journey from 2018 to kills made a lot of sense to me karen although it still felt like her character i just think that they don't they didn't know how they wanted to wrap her up especially since they were going to kill her at the end i don't know what her journey was yeah. i have no idea what was going on with her in this morning in this movie i get it she was upset her husband died obviously so and she was upset with how people were acting i think that they were trying to maybe show that she was still battling them with this idea that the world wasn't as good as she had convinced herself I, I it guess, was going to be, but it but was just really shaky. It yeah, was it really poorly executed. It didn't feel like the last movie affected her character and her choices in this one. It felt like yeah. some stuff happened that she was thinking about, but like you said, how Allison was very clearly affected by the events of last film, it felt like Karen didn't really budge. Like maybe mm -hmm. she was stewing on some things, but her actual character and motivations they only changed when the plot called for them to change, which is, yeah. i.e., the trap at the end, which another moment of watching these characters beat the shit out of Michael and then for her to get that stab, I was like, okay, yeah. all right, cool. I, I'm, I, I'm here for this. And even with him getting back up, I'm like, damn, this man truly cannot be stopped. And it's crazy that you stood back up and won this, but I I accepted all of that. Karen's death, though, why? I just, I don't, 
I don't get why. There was a lot about that ending bit that actually upset me. First of all, why was Tommy swaying like that? When <laughs> when they went to him and he was like, eh, yeah. like leaning back, like basically licking the blade. I thought that that was <laughs> a little bit silly. Also, when Michael started fighting back against the people, why were they in a black void? The way that they <laughs> shot that whole thing. It, it got it got kind of weird. It got kind of weird. Weird. It got kind of art artsy in mm -hmm. a movie that hadn't been that way prior um because they literally looked like they were in a black void with a single spotlight down <laughs> on them everybody just waited to everybody like waited as number. michael <laughs> killed yeah <laughs> everybody waited their turn while michael was killing somebody else he said i'm next <laughs> let me come up next michael um and then also yeah, why so did everybody just bring like boards and wood instead of actual weaponry like one per one person brought a gun one one <laughs> knives where are they everybody like went to the went to home depot and just <laughs> grab the first thing you yeah. see we're gonna go beat michael Myers ass get a two by four and yeah and came really ill-equipped i mean maybe they really thought that they could beat him up but i just think hmm I wouldn't. Um, and then, yeah, Karen goes back to the Myers house because they have this whole thing where they discuss Michael staring out at Haddonfield mm -hmm. and from his bedroom window. And then they decide, oh, well, maybe he was looking at himself. Himself. OK. And so then Karen goes up to the window, stares out of it and sees Michael come up behind her and is just killed off. Very unceremoniously, they kind mm -hmm. of try. They kind of shoot it as as like the Judith. If she was Judith, yeah, mm -hmm. like the way that she's reacting and stuff. But um, that's don't do that. Don't don't disrespect me like that because I just <laughs> I just feel like that they tried to make it clever by shooting it like it was Judith, but it's not the same. It was, yeah, and, it was a very unsatisfying death. And then Allison is literally just right downstairs and. Yeah. The police, everybody is Everyone right downstairs. Everyone is right downstairs. The It takes a lot of suspension of disbelief here to assume that Michael made it up there and no one saw him. After an entire mob of people just went out to kill him and got massacred. Like, how? How? How, how, yeah. how have we lost track of him in that time? I don't yeah. understand. There what? are just so many people around that's a stretch even for michael i'm sorry it's just and and even uh, i don't know what it what it is about this one that i think that was irritating is even with the more ridiculous halloweens i just feel like this one kind of insulted my intelligence i almost <laughs> just feel like they really thought it just feels a little bit lazy in the sense of it feels like they it, I don't know. It almost feels like I feel like this is maybe dramatic, but it almost seems like they just threw stuff in there and said, here's what you want here. You want this? Sure. Whatever. Take this. We're going to say evil dies or evil dies tonight a million times. Sheriff Brackett's there. Did you see the name tag? OK, mm -hmm. uh, this we're going to you want this. You want intense kills here. It just feels like it was almost a filler because they said this is just the middle we know halloween yeah. ends is coming you guys want something okay here take this 
yeah happy now that's what it felt like it almost felt like they were like happy now i was like (laughs) no i'm really not i'm really upset (laughs) no i feel that I, i i definitely feel that and um you know coming into the next episode when we do the full talk on ends we'll talk about how that i think stacks up overall um but i agree this one out of all three of them really did feel like the middleman that was just kind of paving the way to get into the events of the third one and that was unfortunate for me um because i really enjoyed the first one in this trilogy and i think outside of just the fun kills that do exist within Halloween kills, it was lacking that same substance that I just grew accustomed to in the last one. And I just wish that one, just one of these Halloween timelines could get the second movie right for me. That's all. That's all. That's all I want is just one good second movie. But none of them did it for me, unfortunately. Couldn't nail that sequence. Look, there's one part in this movie where Tommy is, like, recruiting people. And he's like, "I I need some... I or I don't know what he says. I need some good, some good people. people. <laughs> yeah, and they cut to the group listening to him, and then in the back on a bench is just an old man eating dinner. Um, <laughs> I relate heavily to that man. <laughs> I felt like that for those whole movie. Just totally zoned, checked out, zoned out. Don't know what's going on, but I'm here. I'm in Haddonfield, but like I didn't know Michael Myers was out on the streets. He's literally <laughs> eating like a like a microwave dinner in the background while Tommy is recruiting the masses but yeah i relate to him heavily so those are my thoughts on halloween kills (laughs) (laughs) but needless to say it's about that time Mm -hmm. for us to say our favorites and our least favorites i kind of feel like we might have the same one again but maybe i'll I'll throw it in there that my favorite this time around was the first of the trilogy halloween Mm -hmm. 2018 and my least favorite was the second Rob Zombie Halloween 2. Okay. Well, so mine, my favorite is Halloween 2018. And uh-huh. my least favorite is Halloween Kills. Ah, okay. Okay. I, you know, despite how much more I think I had bad to say with Kills, I still enjoyed watching Kills more than I enjoyed yeah. watching um rob zombie too i'm just gonna call it that yeah it's Uh, it's it's more entertaining whether for good or bad reasons halloween kills is definitely more entertaining and you probably i feel like you probably enjoy the universe of that the halloween kills verse more than yeah the rob zombie verse yeah most definitely (laughs) so like all that to be said, like, I won't harp too much on the stuff that I didn't like because I feel like the last kind of half of that was this. Uh, but um, when it comes to uh, Halloween 2018, I just really, really enjoyed that one. I think that's really up there as one of my favorites that we've watched just because I mm-hmm. think it did its own thing while still um, holding some reverence for the original and really trying to capture the magic of whatever lightning in a bottle energy the original halloween had for all of us that just makes it such a good movie i think that 2018 did its best and i really appreciate it for that um i had a blast watching it there wasn't honestly much i would have changed about that one and so overall that was a that was a very big standout for me um hit me with that same energy that h2o did where i was like "Ooh, this is refreshing i like Mm -hmm. this 
I'm back in Haddonfield, but with, you know, I got a new pep in my step this time. Got, got a yeah. new view on life and I kind of enjoy it. No, yeah, I agree. Halloween 2018 is awesome. I always have a really fun time when I watch it. I feel like it ties if watching Halloween straight into Halloween 2018, I feel like it's seamless. Like they did a great job at making it feel like the same, <coughs> the, the same characters just 40 years in the future. Um, and to be reintroduced to Haddonfield this way really works for me. Yeah, I wouldn't change anything. And yeah, y'all know how I feel about Halloween Kills. I just, <laughs> I, although, yes, it's a more entertaining movie, I just feel like it's felt when it finished, I was upset. Like, and I <laughs> didn't feel that way for the other, even the Rob Zombie ones. Like, when I, they finished it, even if I didn't think it was the best, I was like, yeah, okay, well, that was, yeah, that was fine. <laughs> but with this one, I was like, oh my God. I'm mad. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I was I was very pissed at Karen's death. I'm not even gonna front. Yeah, that, I sat on that plot point for a solid five minutes after the credits rolled. I was like, why? Why did we do that? Yeah. Plus, I love Judy Greer, and I I feel like if they wouldn't have killed Karen, I think that they could have really explored that character in the third movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Yes. Tune in next week to hear what I think they could have done with Karen in the third movie. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that is Halloween 9 through 12. Like we said, to not tomorrow, but next Monday is the finale, the Halloween-a-thon finale. We'll be talking about Halloween ends on Halloween. Um, so we're looking very much forward to that. But until then, we would love to hear what you guys think of these movies that we discussed today. You can let us know on our social media. We are homies of horror on everything. Or if you'd prefer to talk a little bit more in depth, you can slide into our Discord. Discord is where we all like to hang out with the homies, have some discussions about all things horror and some other things as well. And we have a Halloween-a-thon channel in Discord. So if you guys want to talk about the Halloween movies with us, then you can find the link for that in our social media bios as well. You can also email us. We are homies of horror on everything. You can email us requests, recommendations, and business inquiries. And it is Monday if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, which means that we will be streaming on Twitch tonight. We're having a little Twitch party tonight, a little celebration. Um, so if you guys would like to come through and hear our thoughts on all of the Halloween movies as far as we would rank them, then come through tonight. The link for that is also in our social media bios. And last but not least, if you are so inclined, we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us a rating or a review. You can do both on Apple Podcasts. The more we get, the more we are recommended to listeners. And we just like to hear what you guys are thinking of the show. So if you haven't done that, we would love for you to. Or if you're listening on Spotify, you can rate us by clicking the stars underneath our name. But that is it for us today, homies. That is it for Halloween's 9 through 12. And we will be seeing you next week where it all ends. Catch you next time, homies. Bye.